What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good vibes only at FedEx Field for Friday Night Football. And man, oh man, do we have a jam-packed episode of Sidelines Washington here today. As joining us is legend, Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer, Senior Advisor to Team President Jason Wright, Doug Williams. And also to cap the show, joining us is another special guest, Washington football team staff writer Zach Selby. Got an absolutely slam-packed show for you guys today but before we get started you're of course listening to the sidelines washington podcast presented to you by the sidelines sports network where we talk to wft for the ssn i'm your host and head of nfl operations here at the sidelines sports network parker hamlet rocking my wft on the daily shirt thank you for the free merchandise man gotta, gotta shout you out i'm of course joined hey by my two co-hosts and hosts of their own respective shows we have a big day guys or had a big day yesterday put some pen to some paper but first up is the burgundy and gold report zone the draft connoisseur, Mr. Adam Aniba. Adam, are you actually excited for the preseason? I feel like that's something that people don't really, you know. I am personally because, you know, spend so much time evaluating talent, like not just Washington. I enjoy the preseason around the league more this year than ever just to see these guys, you know, because there's going to be prospects that just rise up. You know, Patterson's my guy, Jared Patterson, the undrafted. So to see these guys really get into some game action, you know, these guys hold back, you know, nobody's dumb to think that, but the backups, the, you know, roster bubble guys, those guys are going to leave it all on the field. So it's exciting just to see some of this talent. Seeing people get some live reps. Like you said, there's a lot of people battling for positions, but next up is our other co-host, host of Raw Talk, man of the people, Mr. Fan Ambassador, Rio Robinson. Rio, we got to kick it with our big Washington football podcast, Family at Friday Night Football. Shout out to, as I said, HT, we are Burgundy Zone, Bleeding Burgundy, all those guys and girls. Um, some's actually said that we did a better job than most local media have done as far as content creation, which made me warm inside. The momentum is definitely real, oh, but definitely, real. definitely. I about def- you, man. I, I want another hard wild Sunday. <laughs> hey, I definitely want another hard wild Sunday. My diabetes probably says relax, but no, <laughs> but at the same time, man, it's, it's a beautiful community. It definitely gets you warm and tingly inside when you hear stuff like that coming from other people and the praise of what we're doing. I'm just trying to take people along the journey with us, man. This is, this is great. We have such a good community here. Podcasters, Washington football, Twitter members, you know, when we're not fighting over stupid shit on the timeline, it's a great time. And when we're actually in person and the context is present, it's going to be all good vibes all season. And I want to thank everybody with the Washington football team for putting on such an amazing experience at that practice Friday, because Joey, Jason, everybody like that practice was a better experience than the 14 games I've attended in my life. And that's saying a whole goddamn lot. And that's very reminiscent of of what Freddie told Joey when he's standing there with his beautiful daughter. And, you know, like we said, the the vibes 
are absolutely immaculate. And man, did we just have a sit down interview with a legend and it was absolutely killer. But before we get to our main event with Doug Williams to kick off the show, we have to have a word with our sponsor, Prize Picks. Sidelines Washington has officially partnered with Prize Picks for a limited time offer using promo code SSNWFT today for a 100% deposit match. That is promo code SSNWFT to take advantage of this limited time offer in our new partnership with Prize Picks. Prize Picks also brings us one of our two new segments on Sidelines Washington. To kick off the show, Adam, we're, we're going to go to you for the Aniba advantage for tonight's matchup against the new england patriots to kick off their preseason um you know so the first thing that we're going to see we're going to see the quarterback matchup I, I don't think there's any news here you know cam newton you know even mac jones right now fitzpatrick he'll get a couple snaps against new england but you know in the need advantage i think you got to look at cam newton getting probably the first quarter mac jones brian hoary price in the rep so you know that goes to uh new england but then you can see that all the check marks coming down you know after that we got the running backs no question, uh, AG is the guy that we're going to be watching. Um, but a guy that's going to be coming up real quick behind him is that undrafted rookie, Jared Patterson. Um, between him, McKissick, and Barber, I definitely give the running backs the nod. Um, with the wide receivers, you know, you're talking about Nelson Aguilar, guys like that for New England. To me, you know, self-explanatory, McLaurin, Brown, uh, Samuel, even though he'll be on the, on the pup list to begin with. You know, that, that's an easy one right there. Uh, tight end. Uh, Hunter Henry, uh, apparently questionable for the game. Looks like he's out. If that wasn't the case, I'd give them the advantage. But I'm going to give this light to Washington. Logan Thomas over Jonu Smith and, you know, Asade, they got over there, the UCLA kid, uh, year two. I still think Logan Thomas. And, and I'm looking to see a lot from um, the rookie that we got going tonight. And I don't know uh, who else we're going to have active with all these tight ends. But really, it's Logan Thomas and the rest right now. Um, and then we're going to go down to O-line. That was a really close one to me as well. Uh, when we're talking about the slight edge, David Andrews, the center for New England, you know, that's their mainstay. Uh, Wynn is a guy that's been in and out of the injury lineup. Uh, Washington, they're rebuilding. So, you know, with the exception of Chase Royer and, you know, Brandon, it's kind of a mixed match. So, but I do give the advantage to Washington. DL, not much to say here. Uh, Washington's going to get that advantage pretty much every game this year with me. Um, the linebackers, you know, this is a hard one. We're going to get excited about Jamin Davis and what we have in Holcomb. But, you know, Matt Judon, Hightower, Kyle Van Oy. And, you know, a guy that I evaluated, Kyle Duggar, coming out of small school level, he's a tweener that's going to be playing safety linebacker. You know, they're going to get the edge in this one. Um, DBs, again, slight edge I'm going to give to New England just because of Stephen Gilmore. Not really impressed with the guys behind him, um, but with Fuller, WJ3, St. Juice, Moreland, all the guys that we have, I still give a slight edge to Gilmore. That's a true three, you know, Pro Bowl, you know, recognizes a shutdown corner. Uh, and then as far as the last one, special teams here, uh, as far as the kick return goes, I'm going to actually have a piece coming out about DeAndre Carter. I think he's going to be a guy that everyone needs to watch out for. I think he'll make the roster as that last receiver uh, punt returner. Um, but I give him the edge on that. But Tressway, he is the automatic, you know, uh, pendulum swinger over there. Um, New England, Folk, you know, they, they've got – they don't have the old kickers like they used to, and nobody really has special teams to talk about. But uh, that's an even advantage. Um, I have Washington winning this one preseason, but uh, they definitely get the advantage on most, uh, on most checks, as you can see. You know, hey, New England having a record high in the or league high last year in opt-outs. It's going to be the Mac Jones show. You know, New England went on a spending spree. Mac. To Tom Brady, to the, I think it was 152 out of 182 my guy. guaranteed money. You know, I, I mean, it, New England's got a lot to prove upcoming in this season. I'm kind of bummed Hunter Henry's out. I was looking forward to seeing how Jamin Davis would handle when, him in the middle of the field. When isn't Hunter Henry out? 
Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of people think that criticism is harsh. That was again the Aniba advantage presented to you by our new sponsor, Prize Picks. Use promo code SSNWFT today for a 100% deposit bonus match. But now we sit down with Washington football team legend and senior advisor to President Jason Wright, Doug Williams. Enjoy. For the first time ever, joining us is our very special guest. Former Super Bowl MVP, Hall of Famer, and senior advisor to team president Jason Wright. Played for nine seasons, has been a part of front offices for 12. He's the Bayo Bullet, Doug Williams. Mr. Williams, welcome to the show, man. Uh, no, thank you all for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to it, believe me. Oh, man, my man, Doug Williams in the building. It's an honor, man. It's an honor. Thank you. Truly. Still reeling a little bit here. Kind of feels surreal. But, you know, Mr. Williams, I'll start from the top. You know, it's been a year now since President Jason Wright has taken over as the president of the Washington football team. And what a very storied inaugural season, you know, from Coach Rivera's diagnosis to off-the-field issues, team's bad start and great finish. And of all these obstacles, has it impressed you how well Jason has encompassed all this? I think it, it, it has impressed me by, you know, how well and how cool – that uh, he's handled it. You know, he, he didn't flinch at all. What, what he's done, he's uh, coming here and put together one of the most diverse uh, team of people that, that, are, that are capable of getting the job done. That's the thing about it. You know, and they all seem like the same type of people that he hired. They're all cool, come uncollected, under pressure, and seem like you think about what they had to go through, it was, it was really uh, traumatic. But at the same time, when you look at how he's done it, you feel like it was smooth as I don't know what, because that's how he handled it. But uh, I got to take my hat off to Jason um, for coming in here and putting together this team, man. It's, it's unbelievable. Um, and all in every capacity, you know, other than football, he, he, him and Ron Rivera, you know, they always conversing about the team and stuff. So what Jason is doing is making sure everything coincides with each other. The business side with the football, and I think it's going to make for a great organization. A nice cohesive unit, something we're not used to here as fans. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful to see this, man, because it's not only that it's diverse now, it's the right qualified people for the job. It's not just forced diversity. So for anybody out there who's trying to say we're forcing it, we're forcing the issue. No, we are all there are qualified people being put in these positions and I love to see it. Adam, you want to chime in on that as well? Yeah, no, you know, I'm the old school of the bunch here, Doug. You know, I was I was I'm, actually I'm watching the TV. I'm the old school. I'm no, I can't give oh, no, it that I, I mean, I mean I mean to my co-host because okay. they they you know they were either not around or in a crib when you were, you know, throwing those touchdowns. <laughs> that part is true. I, very true. I was my dad and we were watching, and you know, like I said, I'm, I'm the old school, and you know, Doc Walker's a guy that's really been great to me since I started my uh, my site and you know, he told me, he's like, listen, when you sit down with Doug, you have to ask about Tampa Bay, the ignorance, the dysfunction. So you got to tell us about that, Doug, just a little bit. You know, just to note, just to note, Doug, you know, you led them to their first three playoff appearances in franchise history, you know, and that's something not a lot of people know. So, yeah, do share a little bit about your time in Tampa Bay. I know it, it definitely had its ups and downs. Well, you know, coming out of small school, Grambling and being drafted in the first round to Tampa, you know, I look forward to it, you know, to me, getting an opportunity to play in the National Football League was the greatest accomplishment that I, that I can ever think of. And spending five years down there, I love my teammates, all the guys that I played with. 
Uh, we was able to go to the playoff three out of the five years, championship game my second year. And, yeah, it was it was a great time down there. Just that, um, you know, when you start comparing <laughs> apples to apples, and right. it's not like that now, but uh, you you probably had probably a one or two man operation running the whole thing back in that day. And uh, when it came time for contract and stuff like that, it, it didn't work out. And uh, 1983, I spent the whole year, didn't even play football, didn't do anything. And 84, went to the USFL for two years and, and was lucky enough to get a call from Coach Joe Gibbs, who was in Tampa my rookie year. And uh, him and I uh, formed a, a relationship from that standpoint, and uh, he gave me the call to come to um, to Washington. But, yeah, Tampa was a, was, was a great time, man. I, I thought I was going to spend a lifetime in Tampa, probably end up being the mayor in Tampa. I thought I was going to be there <laughs> that long. <laughs> it work out that way. And, and, you know, but at the end of the day, that's where I started, but that's not where I ended up. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> and I can imagine at the time, uh, we're in a different time now. We're still definitely, we're still fighting the racial divide thing and the tropes of being a black quarterback in the NFL. What was that like? And like a situation like the Jay Schrader thing, when he waved you off the field, what was that like in the moment? Like what was going through your head oh. in the moment? How vindicated was it when you finally got on top and you put those numbers up in the Super Bowl, man? Well, you would ask that question, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it was, it was probably one of the most embarrassing time of, of my career because, you know, he had got deemed. Uh, Coach Gibbs gave me the go ahead to go in the game and, to get halfway on the field and to get waved off, man, that, that was very, very embarrassing to me. And it's not that I, I hold grudges. It's not like I remember that, but uh, it just so happened it worked out that way during the Super Bowl. Uh, I did have a, a payback mentality from a standpoint of, and I was hurting. I was, I was hurting. My knee was banged up. But uh, what I did at halftime, I, you know, got a shot and what have you to help me through the second half. Because in my mind, uh, I didn't think it would have been right to give him an opportunity to play in the Super Bowl when I had a chance the year before to play in the championship game. So uh, I, I guess when you look at it, you know, they say payback is a mother sometimes, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. And just one more. And one more. And like, I was, it was prior to the 87 season, I believe. You were supposed to go to the Raiders, right? Oh, um, Joe, <laughs> Joe was supposed to send you to the Raiders, and then he changed his mind. How did that work out, and <laughs> what was that situation like? Well, well, let me say this. You know, we don't know how that would have worked out if I had it went to the Raiders, <laughs> but what worked out here was great. Oh, but yeah. no, we had played a um, preseason game in uh, L.A. We had played the, the Rams, and uh, we were flying back overnight, and uh, when we landed at Dulles and got off the plane, Coach Gibbs and Bobby Beth, who was the general manager at the time, was waiting downstairs. And uh, when I got off the airplane and they told me, say, uh, hey, we, we traded you to, to the Raiders, which, you know, to me was, was probably one of the best thing to happen, you know, because being the backup here and going to the Raiders, get a chance to start, you know, I was looking forward to that. So I went home where I went to the apartment that I was leasing and packed all my bags and everything, called everybody down in Zachary, Louisiana, you know, all hundred of them that's in Zachary, <laughs> you know, called everybody, let them know I was going to the Raiders. And uh, Coach Gill wanted me to come by his office. And I went by his office 
And he was a little late coming to his office and he came in his office and, and he looked at me and he started laughing. He <laughs> said, so I'm thinking, what's funny? And I sat down, he said, I changed my mind. <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, coach, you can't change your mind. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden, that's the first time I ever seen him mad, right? He said, hey, I don't work for the Raiders. So I just sat back in my chair. And then he said, look, he said, look, I got a gut feeling. And, and Coach Gibbs always got this gut feeling. He said, I got a gut feeling that somewhere along the line, you're going to come in here this year and we're going to win this thing. Well, at that time, that didn't resonate with me at all. I, I, <laughs> I bet. <laughs> when looking at that, that was, you know, this is the beginning of the season. So I just left out his office, went downstairs and got dressed and went out to practice. And, you know, everything worked out the way he, he saw it fit. You know, uh, when you talk about spirituality, that's who Coach Gibbs is. So maybe he saw somebody and see. Because I certainly history. didn't see it at that particular time. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, I, I remember Coach Gibbs at the time called you Douglas. He said that was the only – you were the only person ever called you Douglas whenever he picked up the phone. I always remember he hearing that story growing up. And, you know, it Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, you certainly were a standard bearer at the time, you know, being the only African-American quarterback. You made, I think, 120000 salary at one point for all the quarterbacks now that like to sit there and talk about their, their these deals. You know, you, you were the standard bearer in, in the market, in the game, and, and for the National Football League. And people are certainly hoping that, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick can come in and, and spark a fire for the Washington football team. Um, he is the 31st starting quarterback for the organization since their last Super Bowl win back in 19. 19- 92, uh, yeah. 90, excuse me. Yeah. Well, yeah. What do you like about Ryan Fitzpatrick's game? Do you feel like he can come in and, and, and light that fire for the Washington football team? I think when you look at uh, what transpired over the off season, as far as looking at quarterbacks who can come in and, and, and mesh and fit in with this, this young team. Uh, I think picking Ryan Fitzpatrick was, was a great move uh, because when you watch him, he, you know, he's smooth. He, he don't get excited. He's smart. And uh, he can get the ball down the field. He can get the ball immediate. He can get it short. And I think with this young football team, which we are a young football team, when you look at it, you know, Ron might be a little old. He probably bring this age limit way up because of his <laughs> age. But, <laughs> but no, but when you watch him, and I think for what our offense does, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is a perfect fit for this offense. And I think with the defense that we have is hopefully – the way I see it is going to give the offense more opportunity. And I think with that, with, with what he has to work with from Antonio Gibson to, to Terry McCory and, 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 and Logan Thomas, all these guys are going to help the offense. And, and they're not going to take a lot, of, a lot of chances from a standpoint just throwing the ball up. They, they throw it up for a reason, and you got people who can get it done. So I'm looking forward to seeing them play. You know, before I go to, to Adam, I, I do have a follow-up question for that. You know, the team really handled the draft like an organization that believes that they can go all the way this year, you know, using these picks to kind of shore up some weaknesses along the roster and kind of hesitated on going all in on the quarterback. You've been there. You've done it, Mr. Williams. Do you believe that that, that blueprint can lead to a Lombardi trophy sooner rather than later? Yeah, I think when you look at it, you know, in order to move up in the draft to get a, get a young quarterback, you, you've you been giving up a lot of capital. And I think when you see this football team as a whole on paper, it's a, it's a pretty good football team from that standpoint. So do you give up all those picks and everything for a young quarterback who has to learn or do you go out and get a Ryan Fitzpatrick? 
Now, you know, whether or not we have a young guy in the hopper, I don't know. But I think what it what it's done is give this team a chance to mature and and play well. And you still got another year or so of draft that you can bring a young guy in if you, that's what you're looking for. But right now, I think for this football team, the right guy at quarterback is the guy that we have at this particular time. Okay. You know, Doug, I, I want to okay. piggyback off what you were talking about before about being so highly selected out of Grambling, so highly coveted. But unfortunately, over the years, you know, we've seen that kind of dwindle off. We're lucky if we see maybe a second round or third rounder. You know, we saw Darius Leonard, a guy I uh, interviewed and evaluated a couple years ago, finally get, you know, recognized as the best uh, linebacker as far as pay-wise in the game. You know, I know Eddie Robinson uh, was someone who was near and dear to your heart. And honestly, he's someone that really got me to look at the small school level. Do you think someone like Deion Sanders taking that jump to the Jackson State, you know, a college level will really, you know, help more exposure and get a lot of these players? Because, you know, we've seen them open up the scouting uh, gates to, you know, more of the small schools, HBCU level. Do you think that it will really start to be a trend and we'll start to see more of this, you know, come to the college level with former NFL players? Well, well let me say that. I think Dion has done a good job at Jackson from a recruiting standpoint. Right. He, he definitely has gotten a lot of good re recruiters. But, but at the same time, you know, they still got to play. And I do think, you know, to, to have no player from a historical black institution drafted, it's hard mm -hmm. to tell me that you got these many schools playing football and not one guy is worthy uh, of playing in that football league. I'm not going to believe that, to be honest with you. And, and, and James Harris and myself, you know, with our foundation, we started the Black College Football Hall of Fame. And uh, we also, this year, on, on February the 19th, we're going to have the first black college all-star game in New Orleans called the Legacy Bowl. And uh, what, hopefully what we're going to do, that the NFL is going to send scouts down there. You know, everybody who works in that area, hopefully all 32 teams would have a, a, somebody to represent down there. But we're going to pick the, the best 100 players from historical black colleges and, and play this game. And hopefully we're doing this for, for them to see that there are talent in the black college. You just got to look for it. You know, my, my thinking has always been, you know, when these scouts go to black colleges, don't just go there and pass them by. And, and don't, don't judge the player by the name of the school. Go in there and, 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 and grade the player, not the school. I think that's what has happened over the years. You know, it, it's certainly in the past, you know, when it comes to scouting players, it, it's been a helmet problem. You, like you said, it's a lot it's a lot deeper than that. You have to do more than due diligence. And, you know, we love love your work. And, you know, speaking of the Hall of Fame, I'm sure you caught Peyton Manning's in, induction speech, <laughs> br br bringing up Daryl Green. Um, what, what's your fondest memory of Mr. Green? Oh, man, Daryl Green. <laughs> That's amazing. I just talked to him the, the other night, man. Daryl Green. The, the biggest memory that I have, Dale Green, to be honest with you, is in Chicago when he returned that punt. He was he was playing with with, with broken ribs. Ribs, yeah. And and he caught that ball. And if you could see, if you watch the highlight, you'll see him holding it. First thing he do is catch his ribs. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he 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 had broken ribs, he reached over to catch his ribs. He still was the fastest on the field because he outran everybody. And I know we'll forget that that punt return because that's the one that set us off to the championship game. Man, this is crazy. These these moments we're talking about, me and Parker, we weren't alive to see these things, but we know it because this burgundy and gold runs through our blood. Now, speaking of burgundy and gold, we're going to push to the future. The team is in the process of a rebrand. Um, it's not an expansion team. So 
with the name changing, how how do you feel about fans that say our history is going to be erased or tarnished while we step into this new identity that we're going into for 2022 and above? You know, that's a great question because I've talked to a lot of people and, and when I'm talking to them about that, to me, the history would not be erased because exactly. the history is the people, mm-hmm. not the name, not the logo. It's the people who played the game. And if you're such a fan, and if you remember the players that played the game, that history going to follow whatever name it, 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 it end up being. So the most important thing is remember the players that played during your days and, and forget about the name because, you know, everybody got logos. That logo is, 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 is it's important. But at the end of the day, the people who put the hat on that had the logo on their head are the people mm-hmm. are the most important thing about that, that logo. Exactly. So I, I think this the rebranding thing is great. It, it gives Jason and his team something to, to look forward to. And, um, you know, even today, I have no idea what it's going to be. I don't think nobody who's working here has an idea at this particular time. Nobody but probably Jason and the owner. They probably have two or three full, full names in front of them. And we don't know what it's going to be, but uh, whatever it's going to be, I'm hopeful that the, the fans in this area embrace whatever's going to be. And let's take the history, the players from the past and bring them to the future. Absolutely. And I have one follow up for that. Do you have a personal one or two preferences or names that sit with you and you say, you know what, that 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 would sound good to me. Nothing like don't don't get yourself in trouble now, but your personal preference. Do you got anything that you like? Yeah, I do. You know, my my personal preference is Washington football team. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think it's going to be that. But but, you know, it's Washington, whatever, whatever the name is, as long as you got Washington on it, it's good with me. And okay. I think that's how you look at it. And it, it seems to be so hard for, for the media to kind of just say Washington. It's It, it, it kind of should have always been that easy, you know. It, it, it People always say football team, and there's that running gag with that. You know, it's very refreshing, Mr. Williams, to hear an alumni and somebody like yourself say that this rebranding process is a breath of fresh air for you because, as me and Rio has always, have always said, the burgundy and gold remains. You know, going to the draft party, you know, kind of seeing the rebranding of the stadium as well. You know, not a lot of people were able to digest that well. But at the end of the day, I don't think the organization could be handling this any better. And another situation I want to kind of piggyback to that I don't think the organization could be handling any better is the possibility of a new stadium upcoming, a multi-purpose venue, if you will. You know, they put out a survey this week asking for feedback on the potential construction in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. I, I definitely completed that. Got my two cents in. Overall, to your knowledge, what is the overall goal of the organization in regards to the construction of a, of a possible new venue? Well, I think there's no doubt that the, the, the owners and everybody involved wants a new venue. And, and not that we don't deserve a new venue. I, I would agree with that. As far as where it's going to be, that's another another thing there. Because, you know, you got three three states that are, that are fighting for, the, for this venue. You know, Maryland, Virginia, and, 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 and D.C. Uh, well, I say three states, two states and a, and a district. DMV. DMV, <laughs> yeah. But, but, you know, to me, wherever it ends up, uh, I hope it's a great venue, which just the sound of it is going to be a great uh, venue because it's not going to be just a stadium. It's going to be something that multiple, uh, multiple use, you know, concerts, uh, you know, even talking about having a school built into it, housing things around it. I think make it a great venue. That would that would be great no matter where it's located. Um, you know, and, and everybody might have their own favorite. 
in this case, I, I don't have any favorite because I think anywhere it's built, it's going to be close enough for me to get there. Virginia. <laughs> Virginia. <laughs> well, before, you know, I, I, before I go into Virginia, you know, I'll wrap up with my last question. You know, I'm from D.C. myself. Um, I remember RFK finally. You know, uh, is there a spot in D.C. that was just so memorable to you, you know, like a, a, a dive, a restaurant, like somewhere that was like really memorable you'll always remember finally at D.C.? Oh, and man. does that factor into your game day experience, Mr. Williams? Look, yeah, I'm never going to forget uh, Holgate. I don't know if you ever remember Holgate. Holgate was a restaurant and a nightclub onto it. You know, you can go have dinner at Holgate. You get your late dinner at Holgate and walk in, walk into the, the dining, from the dining hall to the dance hall. And uh, every Thursday night was, was latest night in, in, in oh, yeah. at Holgate. <laughs> so uh, I wasn't the only one there. I ran into a lot of teammates. We probably could have had practice at Holgate on Thursday night if, if we had wanted to, because that's where everybody was located. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sounds like that was down time. on the waterfront, but the waterfront is now that where Holgate mm-hmm. was located. Oh, yeah, that's by Sequoias. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it, it might have been that. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. And um, I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to bring up revisionist history or anything like that. And I definitely don't want you to talk down on a player that used to play here, but I felt like the biggest red flag was given on our past quarterback when Mr. Doug Williams told us all that he was kind of gallivanting around town. And that's not what you want to hear about the quarterback that you drafted in the first round of the draft. I don't want you to insult or like, I don't want you to talk down on another man, especially a man of our skin color. But when you, when it comes to drafting a quarterback and the plight of a black quarterback, where did where did that situation go go wrong and so fast? Well, well you know, when, when you look at it, you, you never know what a player does once he get here, per se. You know, mm-hmm. you, you hope that he would do what you expect him to do. Um, you know, Dwayne, I've talked to Dwayne, and, and you know, I, I love talking to him now. I've talked to Mike Tumlin, who still is, you know, and, and I think now he's in, he's in a good place, and I think being cut here, has probably helped him a little bit. And, um, you know, it's up to him to do it from that standpoint. Talent-wise, you know, and, and I say this now, I say it tomorrow, and there ain't, there ain't too many quarterbacks in this league that can spin the ball like he can spin it, talent-wise. Uh, but, but you know, as a quarterback, you, you're the CEO of a football team. Absolutely. And mentally, you, you got to put it in. You got to put the time in. You got to let the players know you about the team. And I think once the players get in tune to you, it, it's great. But but I'm I'm happy for 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 Dwayne, man. He's in a he's in a good spot now. And he's behind um, a good a great quarterback, you know. So it's up to him to learn as much as he can. And when his time comes, it's you know, we'll go from there. Appreciate that transparency, Doug. I really appreciate that. And it's always been a breath of fresh air, Mr. Williams. You've always been extremely transparent with the fan base and extremely engaging. And I want to thank you so much for your time today and joining us today on Silence of Washington. We, we greatly appreciate you and all you do for the organization. Well, thank you. Thank you all for having me, man. This, this is fun. This is great. And whenever you want me back, let me know. What a phenomenal sit-down interview with Mr. Doug Williams, Washington football team legend but that is not the only special guest we have today because next up is washington football team staff writer zach selby who's had an extremely busy 
summer. But we are also here, before we get to that, to announce our second sponsor and our newest partnership with Homage. And they bring us our new segment as well, Rio's Rant of the Week. Homage has some of the best deals in tees, tank tops, sweatshirts. You can rep your city today using promo code exclusive to the Sideline Sports Network, SSN Sports 21, for an additional 20% off today with your purchase. Rio, brought to you by Homage. What is your rant of the week? My rant of the week. Let's see. I just had my guy Grant Paulson on the show, and it just reminds me of how most of our fan base, they hate Grant Paulson because he likes Kirk Cousins. My rant of the week is going to be, let's just normalize difference of opinion and still being friends afterwards. Because I promise you, just because someone feels differently about you, about something, you do not have to hate them. You don't have to block them. And you don't have to come at them so adversarially when it comes to the goddamn bird app. It is just Twitter at the end of the day. Me and you can have a civil disagreement and you don't have to call me a fucking idiot and block me afterwards. I promise you, you can like one thing. I can like another and you don't have to go to my DMS and hate me for it. Me and Lake Lewis shot a little thing in DC last week. We talked about the colors changing for the team. You should have seen what my DMS look like. My DMS look crazy. Oh, you fucking millennial. You, we can't take the colors. (laughs) First of all, I said in the clip, you will see the full context, by the way, I said in the clip, the colors aren't going anywhere, but if they did change, it wouldn't affect me because my personal experience We've never won shit in these uniforms. So do I give a shit about the colors? Like at the end of the day, yes, I rep them. I bleed them to the death of me, but I bleed for the franchise. So if the colors would have happened to change, I would adjust. But that's my personal fan experience. I'm not telling you guys who saw the glory days that you are wrong for any of your feelings. It's just everyone's experiences are different. So our emotions aren't going to be conveyed similarly. And it is okay to open your mind to the opinions of other people and to adapt to change. And that is Rio's Rant of the Week. Rio's Rant of the Week presented to you by Homage. One last time, take advantage of our limited time deal using promo code SSNSports21 for 20% off your purchase today at homage.com. But to cap the show, we head to Washington football team staff writer Zach Selby to get all of the latest from Ashburn. Joining us now is one of the hardest working men in Washington football this offseason. He's been pumping out content like a maniac, keeping all of us fans up to date on everything Washington football. Now joining us is Washington football staff writer, Zach Selby. Zach, it's been a long time, man. How have you been? It really has been a hot minute, I think, since I was last on the podcast. I'm trying not to be, be offended. But I know because I know you're busy, you have other quality guests out there. But I was very happy to see you pop in my DM say, hey, we want Zach Selby back on the pod. So I, I love you guys and I appreciate you for that. Hey, man, it's always a pleasure to have you on. You're always making your rounds with us watching football content creators. And we certainly appreciate that. And we certainly appreciate that bird's eye view that you give us of the organization on the practice field every single day. And like I said, man, you know, before we went on air, your content has been absolutely killer and it's and it's good vibes only for the Washington football team lately you know Friday night football was a huge success you know some people kind of considered it a coming out party for Deami Brown but Zach I'll ask you what was your biggest takeaway from Friday night football I mean the food the energy the the pyro it was all immaculate you know and, and crazy enough that was the first time any football in, of any capacity has been played at FedEx since 2019. 
Look, first of all, I'm a big fan of the Flame and W. How we, how, I would love to see us bring that back after every win. That would be amazing. Yes. Um, but Definitely. we'll get some of the obvious stuff out of the way. Obviously, it's great to see all the fans back. Great to see you guys out there in the stands because, my God, we did miss you. Um, hearing the crowd after that big Terry McLaurin touchdown, I mean, oh, that man. was you, – you get chills even in the – Literally. It's, it's amazing. I mean – Obviously, we all like appreciated the fans, but like, you you know you you know really what you have when it's gone. And just seeing empty stands last year was not great, but you know we, we do the best of what we got. Um, in terms of football wise stuff, I think obviously the defense is as advertised. Guess what, guys? The defense is really good. <laughs> it's gonna be good next year. Um, but the offense, I think, is really what stood out to me the most because you look at it here. I mean, yes, a lot of the main pieces are back, but there's a lot of new pieces, too. You have, you know, Deion Brown, Curtis Samuel, who was eventually going to get back on the field at some point. Logan Thomas still kind of growing into his tight end position. And then you have Brian Fitzpatrick, you know, the the true wild card factor that he is directing his offense. And look, he looked pretty good. I mean, he looks about as confident yeah, and comfortable as you would expect out of a guy who's been in the league for, you know, almost two decades. And, I mean, you, you look at this, you look at these weapons at receiver, they're about as advertised as you can expect. I'm going to bring it up again, just like I've been bringing up all, pretty much all spring and all summer. There's going to be some tough decisions going to be made in a couple of weeks for sure. And uh, it's, it's, it's going to break some hearts, I feel like, no matter who, who doesn't make the cut. Um, but those are, the bit, those are some really big guys out there. Deion Brown looks great. Uh, even got like Dax Milne shows a couple big flashes out there. Um, but Logan Thomas also is, I think he's coming for the league. Oh yeah. <laughs> like he's, he is he's really, really good. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen, I looked up and he's just wide open. I mean, he's, he, and this is against one of the set, like the second best secondary in the league last year. It's going to be insane what he does with Ryan Fitzpatrick. And now with more weapons, he's just, He's going to be open even more. So, I mean, the whole cohesion of the offense really is – I think it's going to be something to watch this year. Well, you know, Zach, you mentioned I, uh, Diame in the battle of the third-round pick that you just wrote about. So, you know, you've seen the up close. You know, I watched a little more of his college film. And, of course, the narrative is, well, you know, he's a two-route He's a, you know, two route guy, you know, minimal concepts. You know, what have you seen early on? I know you've seen the matchups, you know, with the veterans and then with the mm-hmm. rookies going back and forth. But, you know, truly, what do you think is going to be his contribution early? Because now we're talking about Samuels and the PUP. You know, that's a short-term issue. But will Brown, you know, can he rise, you know, in the, the, the top two, three guys early on? Or do you, do you think it's going to take some time? I think I think he could. I think it. I think uh, if you're looking at your game to be the bona fide number two right now, that might be a little bit too much ahead of ourselves right now. But, like, if you want to see him as, like, uh, number three who's always out there or, you know, someone else that you can kind of throw in there for a deep ball, he's going to be your guy. Um, I don't, I think you're going to see a lot of big play contributions from him. I mean, of course, that's what he's known for. He's known for a deep threat, but you know, I was talking to his, his high school receiver coach who still works to him with him to this day. Uh, it was a couple months ago, a couple months after he got drafted, he was telling me, look, he's been able to do this pretty much for his whole career. It's just, right. that's just what he would, they, when, when you're really good, at something are they going to ask you to do something you're you're also good at but not as good as being a deep like they're, they're going to ask you to go for the home run I mean does Joe Judge uh, make his name off of 
hitting singles? No. <laughs> He's hitting bombs out of that stadium. So, of course, you know, now we all know George doesn't hit singles, but that's not what he's known for. Deion Brown is known for a but he can do just as much intermediates and short routes as you can expect. I mean, and it's important to point out he's a four, 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 five guy, but he's, he, some people say he's the slowest guy in that receiving group, but he's a four, 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 four five guy. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, right. that's, look, that's faster than 98% of everybody on the field. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'm not running that fast. I mean, if, that. If, if that's the slowest we got, that's a problem that I would love to have. <laughs> you know, I exactly. Mean, so I think you'll have um, you'll have some wrinkles in there. We're gonna see some Deami Brown bombs every now and again for sure. But don't be surprised if you see some maybe a little Terry McLaurin slants, maybe a little uh, little out routes, maybe a little crossing routes, some some intermediate stuff that Ryan Fitzpatrick is gonna be able to find him on. And to me, at Friday Night Football, Zach, one thing that kind of stood out to me is that Naomi Brown, who's known as that home run hitter, averaging 20 yards a catch in college, he was killing it with the intermediate stuff, finding those weak spots in the zone, showing that his route tree is a lot bigger than a lot of people give him credit for. There, of course, like you said, teammate Terry McLaurin, there's a lot of people making comparisons to him. But, you know, it's kind of a wait-and-see kind of thing. He certainly has the big playability. And I, I gotta, I, I'd be lying if I told you that Friday Night Football felt like a coming-out party for him. You know, everybody got to see him up close, personal, and – Watch him do some work on this, you know, like you said, second-ranked secondary in the NFL that only got better from last year. So it's iron sharpens iron. And, you know, like I said, De'Ami Brown's a fan favorite. Certainly another fan favorite is now officially QB2 Taylor Heineke. You know, it's Taylor Heineke's yep. first time at FedEx playing any football of any capacity, I think, since the wild card game. You know, Friday Pretty football. Much, yeah. yeah. At Friday night football, he had his ups, had his downs. You know, like I said, connecting with De'Ami and a couple other receivers. Had a pretty bad interception to John Bostic, but, you know, of course, it was a learning experience for him. You know, there were reports also earlier in the week that Taylor dinged up his leg in Ashburn. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I, I, from what I've seen, Taylor looks like he's good to go. Yeah, he's fine. I think – I think. Uh, I mean, you could say, hell, everybody's been dinged up. It's camp. You're going every day. Like, of course, like, I, I think you'd be surprised – I think you'd be disappointed if you, if you went – if you went out to, to Ashburn – and tried to find someone who didn't at least have a little bit of a bump and bruise somewhere because it's training camp. That's just that's Football. what happens. Why you have treatment, but he's he's fine. I think you know he's he's going through his development. He's still developing and growing, and you know you still see a lot of that um, that Heineke magic that that he put up in that in that playoff game. And you know I'll I'll, I'll tell you this: um, whenever he whenever he made that diving touchdown, I looked over and I was like, oh my God, we're about to win this game. Like, I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing he does for you. But I mean, you know, he's, yeah, remember, he's a young guy. He still has a lot of potential, a lot of growth to do. Um, and another thing you really have to understand is a lot of things in practice are scripted. He's a very, he's a very much an unscripted kind of guy. He's a guy who likes to roll around and and make some really, make some plays with his feet and his ability to create plays with that scrambling ability. Ron Gray even mentioned this. And in practice a couple of days ago, he's a look like this is he he's a he's a, a quote unquote gamer, if you will. He's a guy who, you know, does who thrives in the unscripted game atmosphere. So, yeah, he looks good. I think the preseason game is going to tell us how good he really is in his development right now. You know, reps are very important for these young guys, you know, it, it's kind of the season of overreactions there. And we some we talked about last week that there were definitely a lot of overreactions for rookie Samuel Cosme. You know, people kind of saying that when there weren't pads on, he kind of had his hands full with Chase Young, Montez Sweat. But, I mean, you know, who wouldn't? You know, I, I mean, yeah. and, you know, from what I've heard and what I've read, 
ever since, you know, Pat of practice have started up, you know, he, he's looked absolutely great. You know, he's looked apart. He looks like he's worth the investment in right tackle. How has Cosme looked to you from your observations? And how do you see him faring against guys like Matt Judon, Henry Anderson, and Kyle Van Noy Thursday night kick off the preseason? Well, you know, so a little bit of background on me. Actually, Lyman is probably one of the most most experienced with I'm in. Because once upon a time, I used to be about 300 pounds, believe it or not. Really? So I, used to, I, play, I, play, I play college offensive line. So I know a D3, but still. it's I did I know, not know that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so I know – a little bit more about that than some of the other skill positions. But, I mean, if you look at what he was doing in, in helmets and jerseys, the techniques were, were sound. I think when you, when you go up against, when you go up against players in like one-on-one situations and pass for stuff, as a, it's, it's kind of like how in one-on-ones the, the drills are sort of at a benefit to the, to, to the receivers a little bit. Cause the second yard is not really allowed to get that as physical for a guy like Cosme, who is physicality is one of his main strengths. It's hard to get physical with guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat when you're in a helmet and a jersey. You really have to rely on a lot of your handwork, a lot of your technique, and that's some of the stuff. Some of the stuff that Rivera even said, like that's some of the stuff he needs to work on a little bit. And once the pads came on, you started to see the progress start to be made. You started the game. The, a lot of people throw the cliche phrase "slow down" out there, but I mean that's kind of what it was. The real thing. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I mean, when you're going against Chase Young and Montez, what? Of course, the game is going to slow down to you eventually. I mean, my God, and he's 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 winning reps against them more consistently now, and that is a big thing for him. So, and actually, I wrote about this in a story, um, you know, and my three keys that like the 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 pay, the Patriots defensive line is very good, but in terms of sacks, they were top for twenty six in sacks. Washington was wow. six. It's just not. It's the, the the production at least is not now production varies from year to year, of course. You know, we're gonna pretty, I'm sure we're gonna get some people out there screaming, like, well, you can't judge this year off last year. But I mean, the stats are what we have to go on for now. And the fact of the matter is that while Kyle Van Noy and all them boys are very talented and experienced, you would somewhat argue they're 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 not as experienced and as talented as as Chase Young at, at this point in their careers, for sure. So at least not as fast and as quick. So I think if you if he, if you look at what he's been able to do against those guys, he's holding his own. You feel confident about what he's going to be doing going against these veterans. Absolutely. You, know, you talked about. You go ahead, Adam. Go on, man. No, you're good. I know. You know. You talk, you talked about holding your own. You know, the guy that we keep hearing about, and you know, we it makes you wonder about the media how much they're fluffing him up right now. Is you know, St. Juice, the you know the the Wolverine graduate student that went to Minnesota. Mm-hmm. You know. Amongst the competition, because, you know, you're looking at WJ3 on one side, and then on the other side, it really seems kind of open. Everyone talks about Fuller maybe going inside, playing, you know, back and forth. Do you really think the rookie has a chance to see meaningful snaps? Because, you know, like they say, iron sharpens iron. He's going against a top defense every day, and it sounds like he's looking great, but I'm sure you're seeing, you know, more the nitty-gritty that we're not seeing. Well, he's a very physical guy. He's a very long corner. Um, So, And those are are two – trace it very bode very well because you don't see a lot of yeah and Deion Brown even brought this up like you don't bring you don't see a lot of long corners as he is in the NFL that you just don't um but I think I think he's gonna see some meaningful snaps do I see him being a starter right now we'll we'll we'll, we'll hold off on that for now because you have to think Kendall Fuller is a very accomplished like player he's more I mean he he tied a career high with four interceptions last year there's a point where he was 
he, he tied the league lead in interceptions. So, I mean, to say that, you know, they're going to bump him inside for a rookie is maybe a little premature right. right now. I think that just because he doesn't start, though, does not mean he's going to get – he's not going to get enough meaningful reps. So I think that's – I think that's a very much the case because the secondary rolls people in all the time. Yeah. So I, I think just, just because you're a starter out there doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get 5% of the snaps or something like that, especially with a guy like St. Juice. I mean, he's, he's, he's going to get his reps. He's going to get his right. reps for sure. Yeah, all about right. positional flexibility. Yes. Flexibility. Yes. And, you know, and he's, a, he's become, it looks like a darling. You know, we saw Moreland. Moreland was a guy I was high on. And it seems like, you know, they're still talking about him, but it seems like he's kind of taking a back seat now. So, you know, more about, you know, the, the, the fresh new toy in town. So, yeah, I'll be curious to see how it goes. But, you know, that's, that's good stuff, man. Well, you can't, you can't count out the people's corner. I mean, with a name like that, first of all, yeah, that's just amazing. Um, but no, I, th- I think they still like Jimmy Morrill. I still like his attitude, his approach to the game, because he does things very well. And I mean, he I, I would say he played his best football last year, uh, or at least to this point. So uh, let's, um, I, I wouldn't say they've forgotten about him, but I think there's, um, you want you want to see what the rookie has. I think that's, that's oh, yeah. the big thing. Oh, I'm, t- I'm not talking about the, the the certain ones in the media like we were talking about oh. before. They, they latch the darlings. They latch on to some of them. Moreland was the guy last year. And, again, that's what I keep saying. I'm like, to me, everything I've seen, he hasn't gone anywhere. But, yeah, it's just it's funny how the the sometimes the fan base and the media kind of go coincide with it. But it's interesting. You know, they take St. Juice, and they certainly have a plan for him. Got some tape on him in the Senior Bowl as well. They certainly have a plan for the rookie. But, you know, a couple of people on the offensive – line that I'm kind of questioning coming out of camp do they really have a plan for guys like Eric Flowers and you know Sadiq Charles you know Zach what are some of your observations from camp as as to their usage and what their role is going to be on this offensive line in 2021 Sadiq's good Sadiq has has the right kind of technique he has some good ability they're they're going to find a home for him one way or the other I think that that's that's not that's not in question at all because you look at what they were talking about last year, they were raving about him. Like they, they were very impressed with what they saw. Now, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to see it because he was on IR for, you know, most of the, most of his rookie season, but he, he has some size. He has some strength. He has the quickness. He has pretty much everything you'd want for a tackle or a guard, which is just, it's very rare to find that, that combination because guards are usually a little bit bigger and, and tackles have a little bit the longer arms. They're more they're quicker he has them both, and that is – they're going to use that to their advantage. Eric Flower is another guy who is – he's mostly going to be a guard, but at the same time, like, he, he's playing some of his best football as a guard, which, I mean, you wouldn't Saved have thought his that. career at guard. Exactly, exactly, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't imagine that since the Giants took him as a tackle. But he's, he's found his – he's found a new home at guard. So I think – and his experience on top of that is, is I don't think they're going to let that go either. And usually – from what I've seen, Rivera likes to keep a lot of offensive linemen. They like to, he likes to have that that uh, and when it, when we're talking about position flexibility, that's one of like the top, I'd say the top two uh, like positions he's talking about because you like having guys who can can slide in a tackle or a guard whatever you need them to do because it's so important to have a good offensive line. Um, so Flowers' experience, I rely on that. Charles is just natural ability, I rely on that too. It's it, it's going to be a specific situation for for me at this point. I don't see them like getting cut or anything um, because they're I think they're very valuable. Yeah, I, you know Charles couldn't really get on the field much last season, but this coaching staff, as you said, is very high on him. 
Eric Flowers, a former fan favorite, you know, saved his career. I remember when he was getting laughed at at training camp. A lot of people didn't think he was going to make the final 53, and he completely revitalizes his career, goes to Miami, gets a payday, and then comes right back. A lot of people say he should have never left the building, but, you know, tough business decisions. And, you know, you're speaking about position flexibility. That, of course, makes it easy for, for them to, you know, keep some certain people on the roster. But I got to ask, Zach, are, are, are we leaning into a situation nearing the end of the preseason where this Washington football team could possibly have seven wide receivers? I, I mean, th- th- like you said, there's certainly some tough decisions to be made. near, mm-hmm. And we're not even done with week one yet of the preseason. Yeah, I, I've been saying for a while, I think it could be seven. I think there's very much the seven is at least in play because um, you have just so many talented guys. Like, do you want like do you want to let all of them go? I just don't think so. Um, because if you think about it, last year, they kept five. And to me, I think, you know, Terry and Curtis are definitely locks. They're, they're the number one and number two guys. Then you have, I think, I think Kansan's really impressed. I think, um, Deion Brown obviously drafted. That's four guys right there. And I mean, I, I, I just don't think, cause you have a lot of guys like DeAndre Carter, who has really flashed a lot in camp. Steven Sands is coming back on with a little bit of a, a surge here. And then maybe, you know, maybe you want to find a spot for like a Dax Milne, who is, who I think, I, I can, I can think of one, one ball that he has dropped in the entire time that we've been out there, which is saying a lot. And then you also have Antonio Gandy Golden, the guy they drafted, who didn't get a chance to play a lot last year. I mean, I just, I mean, they're going to have to let some people go, obviously, because there's 12, there's 12 guys on the roster. There's no way they're going to like keep all those guys. That'd be, That'd be awesome, but it wouldn't be a thing. Uh, you probably have to have no tight ends or the five, like just the starting five at the line. Like the roster custom, the roster must have to come somewhere else. But I think they, I think it's possible they keep seven just because they want to keep as many of those guys as possible. Because you have to think about this too. Like if they cut the guys after camp, that gives other teams a chance to get them too. Like right. they obviously are you willing get to give up? You know? Yeah, like you want to have guys in the practice squad, but sometimes. Hell, you you might not get that chance. I mean, that's happened to teams before. Probably happened to Washington before. <laughs> so it's it's a situation you want to you want to you want to uh, I guess what's the word? Not hedge your bets, but something sort something of that ilk, I guess you could say. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's competition, competition at the wide receiver position. I don't know if I saw you or someone else write about Steven Sims staying after practice, getting as many reps as possible. I think these yeah, guys are a lot of people have, have talked about. Yeah, I did mention it, but there was a lot of people out there who have said something about that. Because it's a good thing. He's catching 200 footballs a day. I'm, I'm not catching 200 anything. <laughs> <laughs> You know, there, there's a lot of young faces, not just the wide receiver room, but just on this Washington football team in general that that look like they're going to have, you know, roles to play in 2021. You got James Smith-Williams looking like he's going to get some of these Kerrigan reps at defensive end. You got Khalid Hudson, who's officially the backup middle linebacker. You know, a lot of versatility there. Mr. Position Flex Danny Johnson, who, in my opinion, has had a stellar camp. Out of all mm-hmm. these young guys, Zach, I know you don't like playing favorites, but who's caught your eye the most? You know, a lot of people are not necessarily, like, Cold on, on Will Bradley King. They're about to the lukewarm. I, I like Will Bradley King. I think he's – he call, first of all, he calls himself the technician, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. But he's had some really impressive reps in one-on-one pass rush. And, I mean, that that's that shows some value out there. I mean, James Williams, obviously, I think he's he's obviously impressive. He's going to be that – probably that number three defensive end out there. But you, you need one or two more guys out there. And Will Bradley King is definitely making his case. 
he's got the, the quickness. He's got the hand use. His hand usage is nice, real nice. And, I mean, just that is something I think that is a thing of beauty. A lot of people don't realize that offensive line and defensive line battles are won and lost by hand usage. It's not about how big you are. It's not, I mean, yes, low man wins, obviously, but the hand usage is what wins those battles, and Will Bradley King has good hands. That is enough for me to think that he's got a chance to make the roster. You know, him, Shaka Tony, some hefty expectations on those guys coming mm-hmm. in. You know, I, I, they are expecting, you know, Jameson Williams being drafted last year. There's a lot of expectations for these guys to come in and be contributors on this defense. And that's definitely why the watch football team was very, you know, upfront with Ryan Kerrigan and letting him walk. So I think that they're and, very. And all, well, a quick thing, all three of them seventh round picks. Yeah. Right. All three of you, people forget about that. Will Bradley King was also seventh round pick because they, they, this coach that likes to find those lay around pass rushing gems out there because, I mean, look, Shaka Tony, like I mentioned, eighth all time in Penn State right. history. Exactly. I mean, where Bradley King with two uh, two places was really good at rushing the passer. James with Williams really good at Arkansas, Arkansas State and rushing or NC State at rushing the passer. So seventh round guy, you're not going to pick him. We'll take him. <laughs> bring bring us all all of your all of your passers that we can find. What's up, Rio? But, you know, what's going on, man? I'm Mr. sorry Rio about that. Man. Robinson little... now joining us here right at the end of the interview. <laughs> A little bit of technical difficulties, man. Hey, man, you look good in the sideline shirt. We've just been cutting up with Zach. He's been answering all of our good old football questions. But, Zach, I think the last one I've got for you is, you know, I know you're busy, man. you got to go soon. This Washington football defense is good. You know, that's like saying the sky is blue at this point. But one statistic that I think is very important going into the season is that last year, and like you said, all we can do is base things off last year, right? They were 23rd in turnover differential. And, you know, you are talking about how they ended practice with a chip drill the other day. Have you seen the team kind of practicing more for these turnover situations? I mean, you know, Deron Payne says he's ecstatic to face teams like the Chiefs and the Bucks, and, you know, I, I definitely feel like that's a category the team's going to have to improve in in 2021. You know, one of my favorite stats about Deron Payne is that he has more batted down passes than Ioannidis, Sweat, John Allen put together. Because the, you wouldn't expect that out of an interior guy, but he's just so good at it. He's a freak um, athlete. Yeah, he's a terrific athlete. He doesn't say much, but he is. He doesn't need to. My God, with all the stuff that he has, um, I think. I think I wouldn't say they're putting much more of an emphasis on stuff like that, but I think they're ready for it because you, yeah. you look at you look at a play they have. They had um, during Tuesday, no Monday's practice. Um, they had the Fitzpatrick pass was tipped, then tipped again, and then Kendall Fuller came and grabbed it for an interception, ran down the sideline. I mean, that that's the kind of stuff you think about because you're not going to see that very often, but you're ready for it. You're ready to create those turnovers. And that's, I think, going to going to create a lot of good opportunities. That's maybe that's one of the maybe the one weakness, I guess you could say that this this defense the sole has. weakness, really. I, I, yeah, mean, I mean, but now if you have guys who can force fumbles, who can cre- create turns off of the untra- the untraditional plays, like maybe maybe something like I think it was the Giants with that crazy long fumble happened oh man like you gotta be ready for those kind of things and that that's what that that's really the small things like that help you win or lose games and i think they that, i think that is what's going to help them gives me confidence that this is not just a this is not a 500 or below 500 team anymore i think i see 
an above 500 team when I look at this roster. And you bottom. don't like setting expectations for the team. That's well documented, and, and, and you're feeling it. I think everybody's feeling it. Yeah, I, I mean, no, no record, no record predictions, obviously. It feels <laughs> like – it just feels like karma's finally on our side. I, yeah, don't, don't say that too loud. <laughs> but yeah yeah for now yeah I, th- I think things are things are looking up they're very they're beautiful and as magnificent as Fitzpatrick's beard <laughs> oh man Adam, this season know? I'm I'm looking forward to this season so you say you know record prediction out of you I can't get one <laughs> no nah, the most the most you will ever get out of me for right now is not they're uh, they're an above 500 team Okay. Yeah. I think we're poised to win it. I think we're poised to win a division again, personally. But I mean, I've said that I've said that before, but it feels genuine now. It feels like for the first time, expectations are placed and it makes sense. You know, there's just so much positivity around like the team right now. It's it's so nice because to be honest, I, I got started. I started my career here in week four of 2019, two weeks later. Coaching change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and ever since then, it has been a wild ride. That's not all that you dealt with either. We're not going to get into it, but that's definitely not all that you dealt with. You had a very tumultuous <laughs> start as far as everything on and off the field with the Washington football team. But it it, it really is crazy, Zach, to see the turnaround, isn't it? I mean, I, you obviously say you feel it in the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's um, you know, the content studio. We're, we're making great content because we can feel all the energy coming off the fan base and the organization. We're trying to walk, like ride that wave because it's the hell of a burgundy and gold wave right now. And it's, it's really, really nice to be able to be around a fan base that is so passionate about everything the team does and create content that is, that matters to the fan base and the team. And it's so cool to see players interact with the content creators. It's cool to see fans interact with the content creators. It's like, we're all in cohesion right now, and it's just—it's a really great thing, and I'm really, really excited to see what we do in a couple of months. It's one big happy family right now. It's all kumbayas and sunshines and rainbows for the moment until the you season's could, starting. The bullets say, start flying. You can say <laughs> a, a Washington yeah. football team. Oh, okay, cohesion. Okay, so so is that your is that your favorite in the new name and the rebrand preference? Is that yours? <laughs> not getting that, you're not getting that out of me. <laughs> I, I had to try. That was a good effort, but I'm not. <laughs> you see, I just try to slide it in there. Real smooth. I know 1% more than the rest of the fan base about the name brand organization. And then even then, it's stuff like you really wouldn't even care about. Hey, I think I, I think I, I know a little bit as well. But, you know, I just wanted to know if someone on the insides will give us Stop something. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. Look, this will be my last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now you got to you, you gotta come on. Now you got to come on mine first. You got to come on mine first and drop some profanities real quick and let loose a little bit. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad Rio could stop by. Give you a kiss before you go. You know, we, we really appreciate your transparency, Zach. You've always been there for all of us Washington football team fan content creators and you know that's something we heard from jason right as well you know it really does feel like we're all one big happy family you know i hope you enjoy the the game tomorrow kicking off the preseason you know against the new england patriots you know thank you again for your time you know, it's been way too long and once again we're looking forward to following your coverage throughout the season tell the sidelines listeners where they can find you zach you can find me on twitter at zach selby wft for all the content you've ever dreamed of having about your favorite team um, also, a couple of baking stuff in there as well whenever I get the chance. Um, 
you know, I've been kind of I've been kind of lax on it lately. You know, training camp kind of does that to you. But I've uh, still managed to find some. I made some orange creamsicle cookies um, the other day, which were really good. Um, yeah, great. I wish I could have gotten you some. Uh, gotten your guy some when I saw you at training camp. Um, uh, yeah, I is that what you and Keith were doing? Is that what what Keith was meeting you for? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they they conducted they conducted an exchange of cookies like a drug deal at Richmond. <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious. That's I, mean, I, got the, I got the stuff, man. Oh, man. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean. That that's where you can find me. I, I you can find me on Instagram at Zach D Selby. I, I try to get on Instagram as much as I can. I'm not really that much of an Instagram guy. I mean, if you want to friend me on Facebook, do that too. Just Zach Selby. Um, I have a pretty recognizable face, so if you just type that in there, you'll find me. Um, but yeah, it's it's uh it's been great over the past two years just being part of this part of this fan base, this organization. One thing I've I've been telling everybody, and I will continue to tell it, is that there are some organizations out there who will be able to report on things that. I can't, you know, inside information, have inside scoops on the team that, you know, for the sake of my job and employment, I cannot report. But one thing that they can never, they should never be able to beat us on is telling stories about our fans and our players, because that's what we're good at. That's what we have the access to. And that's what we care about. And that's what I've been dedicating my entire career with this team towards and plenty of big stuff coming along the way. Very excited to see what that stuff oh, is. Man. You know, like yeah, I said, hey, watch it September 7th. September. Oh, we got some breaking news here. So I was watching September 7th. Not, not, uh, not, not breaking news, but just, just keep that date in mind. Sounds like an okay. exclusive to me, Zach. And that you know, we exclusive, man. certainly won't wait as long to get you on the show next time, man. Thank you again okay. for your time. Phenomenal stuff there from Doug Williams and Zach Selby, two very important people in the Washington Legend. football team organization. And I mean, yeah. what an episode of Sidelines Washington, guys, but that is unfortunately all the time we have today. Adam, where can people find all things Burgundy and Gold Report? Uh, always the burgundyandgoldreport.com. Uh, follow me on Twitter at the B&G Report, lowercase r. Uh, again, I'll keep saying I'm working on my solo show. It'll be out soon. But, yeah, just stay at the burgundyandgoldreport.com. You'll find sidelines. You'll find all the things you need to. Uh, stay tuned for the next uh, article dropping about uh, DeAndre Carter, the next returner for Washington. Rio, you know, just dropped a killer episode with Mr. Grant Paulson. Tell the people the latest with Raw Talk and where they can find you, brother. All right, man. You can find me on my YouTube channel at Rambling with Rio Robinson. And you can find my podcast rambling about washington acronym raw because we keep it raw unfiltered uncut entertaining but we know what the fuck we're talking about over there i like to keep it interesting every week and i want to give a special thanks to adam aniba for actually letting me and parker get some words in with doug williams knowing that our 20 something year old asses did not watch one snap of his career i wasn't even know, in my dad's but, balls yet but I mean, we know the history i want to thank adam for sharing the floor with us speaking to to such a legend man this was a great cohesive oh, episode and we got a lot of good shit coming for sidelines washington absolutely like i said put some pen on some paper got some big guests slated up this is only the beginning as the football season's rolling around and of course i am the head of nfl operations here at the sideline sports network so if you or someone you know wants to cover their favorite team for one of the fastest rising sports networks in the country email me at sidelineswft at gmail.com to join the team today as you can see mr robinson is wearing some merchandise and it is going fast if you want to inquire about your size which like i said they are going fast people you can dm me on at twitter at parker hamlin on all social media 
at Parker Hamlet. Like I said, people, they're going quick, and I cannot put enough emphasis on that. Also, if you're listening to this on Apple, Spotify, or wherever podcast platform you're using, make sure you give us a follow, leave a rating, and a review as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, like it says at the beginning of the episode, people, subscribe, turn on notifications, and comment below for your score prediction for tonight's matchup to kick off the preseason against the New England Patriots. But next week, we come to you guys with another special guest, Mr. Matthew Paris, to talk the week one matchup, how everybody looked on the field, and, of course, discuss the week two matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals, where I will hopefully, hopefully be in attendance. But until then, this is the SSN signing off. Peace. All right. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.